0: Good morning, everyone. Well, that picture looks like how I feel sometimes lately. I have been a little bit stir-crazy, maybe it's just a personal thing, but uh, uh, had to go to an estate sale yesterday. So uh, maybe that was that was good for me. Um, but in any case, uh, I know that it's been a difficult time for, for many people who, and I'm not the only one going stir-crazy. So I have a, a different kind of sermon this morning. It's something that, that kind of reflects uh, my own uh, psychological state perhaps, but I, I did send out a an email Thursday to the membership here and hope you got that. Some very practical suggestions for connecting with each other and countering the social isolation that uh, is, is literally driving some folks crazy uh and the difficulties that that they're going through Uh, so we we want to keep each other in mind particularly at a time like this and and get creative we have to be creative and so uh, there are three subgroups in the congregation that i am particularly concerned about right now one of them would be the elderly and particularly the elderly who are alone a second subgroup that i'm uh, very concerned about or other reasons, uh, the the young, and uh, particularly young children and kids. And I know that uh, that you parents are are mindful of, of the socialization needs that they have and, and need for interaction in various ways, and uh, are, are having to get creative to uh, to safely navigate through those things. But, uh, uh, and then the third group that I'm, I'm concerned about are, are single adults among us and if the single adults happen to be elderly, all the more so because of, of the lack of, uh, of social needs. We're social creatures. God made us that way. And, and so we have to, to, to get creative at a time like this in, in addressing some of those needs. Really appreciate Michael and Sarah getting some young people together at the park yesterday afternoon. I think that was important for all that, that were able to participate in that. But um, as I said, this is it's a little bit different sermon. And I, I, I want to, to to basically stand back and allow you to, to interact in a way that uh, might not be normal for a sermon, at least afterwards. My, my sermon ideas of late are kind of all over the map, uh, somewhat scatterbrained perhaps. But um, the good part of that is my mind is fermenting with ideas, and I'm just pumping out ideas right and left. Uh, the bad part of that, the downside, is that it's just hard to concentrate on any one of them versus all of the others. And so I'm, I'm getting bombarded with, with uh, stimuli here, here of late. So I've decided to preach a different kind of sermon this morning that uh, will reflect some topics that I have been thinking about for future sermons, some topics I've been mulling over in my mind, and um, I- I'm going to just mention them, mention a few scriptural principles that, that uh, pertain to each one, and then um, uh, after the lesson, privately, you can feel free to to um, give feedback on on which of these areas you might like to hear more about and or even make an open request of some other areas. You know, I think it's time to have a good sermon on on X, Y or Z. Feel free to, to uh, contact me and uh, I'll see if we can't work some of those ideas into the pipeline. I can't guarantee that, that it will be next Lord's Day, but but nonetheless, um, if any of these things that I'm about to mention are interesting to you or any other thing that, that you can think of, other topic, uh, feel free to, to contact me and um, we'll see if we can't uh, get it on the uh, agenda for the not-too-distant future. One thing I've definitely been thinking about of late, and it, it certainly something that is addressed in the Bible, and that is the mind-body relationship, the relationship between physical health and and spiritual health, and I I think it's possible to be so concerned about the one that we end up neglecting the other. Again, we are made for socialization and interconnections with each other, and uh, uh, do we realize how much that emotional health can impact uh, physical health, uh, emotional, uh, social health. Impacts our our spiritual health, which in turn can affect our, our physical health. And uh, there are all kinds of, of mind body connections. It seems that that uh, um, that when we when battling one problem, one can go too far to the extreme and and, and uh, end up neglecting another. But there are definitely mind-body connections. When when God saw a man alone in the Garden of Eden, he says it is not good that the man should be alone. That's Genesis 2 and verse 18. We look at Elijah, one of the great characters of the Old Testament, in 1 Kings chapter 19, after the great victory he had won on, on Mount Carmel, in 1 Kings 18, he escapes from Jezebel and, and eventually goes down to, to Mount Sinai. And he is moping around in depression, literally. And, and he says, I, even I only am left. It was not good for him to be alone. He saw himself alone. And, and the Lord ultimately consoles him, tells him to get back to work. And that there are 7,000 others that have not bowed the knee to Baal. In Psalm 32 we have a confession of sin on David's part, and he says, blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and who, in whose spirit there is no deceit. And, and then he describes in the next few verses the very real uh, psychosomatic condition of that pent-up, unconfessed sin and the negative impact that it has on bodily function. He says, from when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. And so there was this sense of of release that uh, he was able to experience when he was finally able to deal with the thorny problem underneath the surface that was plaguing him mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and even physically, because there is a connection between all of the above. So I think at a time like this, we need to be mindful of one another, mindful of one another's Physical health, absolutely, at a time like this when you have a pandemic going on. But equally, mindfully of one another's emotionally, uh, emotional health, spiritual health, and, and just overall well-being, uh, relational well-being. Uh, that's part of being uh, on the lookout for, for one another. Uh, Galatians chapter 6, for example, says in verse 2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Hebrews ten twenty four says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 11, therefore encourage one another and build up one another just as you are doing. So this is one area that I, I've been thinking about, could preach some more uh, lessons on, and uh, you can let me know afterwards if if this is something that that you might like to hear more about. Switching gears. Another topic that's been hot on my mind lately. I I read an article not too long ago about, uh, let's just for lack of a better term, call it the walking wounded And, and it spoke to the issue of first responders in our society. You've got medical personnel, You've got the folks that, that will respond when you call 911. You've got uh, uh, the uh, fire department, police force, others that, um, uh, that respond to situations. And there are a lot of situations going on these days. And um, the, the import of the article was that there are, are some very real um, uh, trauma some very real trauma that that uh, first responders often have to have to respond to. It, it's not a, a, a typical job that you just leave uh, work at the office and you go home. And and there are often symptoms that are similar to PTSD, where the trauma can be so intense in dealing with certain high-stress situations or certain situations where where folks are trying to minister to the needs of others. I appreciate Scott's prayer last Lord's Day where he dealt with Christians who are serving in certain capacities and uh, are in the line of fire because of that and and have to deal with that and to pray for those folks. Certainly we wanna do that. But uh, I got to thinking when I I read that article that uh, not only are first responders physically often in the walking wounded category but also spiritually christians who have structured our lives in order to be servants when we do that when we when we our whole goal in life is to serve the needs of other people what ends up happening is we we open up our lives to serve, and we often, uh, be, because we really care about other people, we open ourselves potentially to a world of hurt that, that results from that. This is a spiritual battlefield that we face on, on planet Earth, and uh, sometimes we engage in self-inflicted wounds. We are our own worst enemy when we sin, when we do stupid things, foolish things, we end up essentially shooting ourselves in the foot. But there's also such a thing as friendly fire, just as there is on physical battlefields. We can get hurt uh, unwittingly, perhaps, by those who would otherwise be our our friends, who uh, thoughtlessly may not have antennas that are quite high enough, and end up saying or doing things that end up inflicting wounds upon us. Oftentimes, it's completely unintentional. Uh, sometimes it is intentional, and may God help us when that happens. But uh, we can be hurt uh, because we really care, and, uh, and and then there are just plain old casualties that occur on the ba- battlefield with the enemy. But whenever you care about the cause of Christ, whenever you care very deeply about the cause of Christ, sometimes the reactions that you get can be downright violent in various ways, and and you have to process that. I've certainly been there uh, in situations where I cared so deeply and got repaid for that care with something that caused me very deep trauma in return. And I had to live with that and process that over a a lengthy period of time. But that happens, not only to first responders on the physical battlefield of life, but also to spiritual responders who are are simply trying to to serve the souls of other people. Jesus, in a a very uh, emotional, heart-to-heart talk with his disciples on the night of his betrayal, right before he would be crucified, He is not just thinking about what would happen to him. He's thinking about what would happen to to them. And, And he says in John, the 15th chapter, for example, in verse 18, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. It has occurred to me that there are people in this world who cannot stand Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And they probably cannot stand his followers either. And so as we go about doing good in this wicked world, we are going to face situations where we are wounded. And because we are wounded, we're going to have a degree of stress and trauma and some stuff that we just have to deal with. I'm thankful that we have other Christians to help us through those times but this is yet another area I've been thinking about and something that uh, could possibly merit some other sermons. Now I'm going to switch gears yet again. How to be a person of influence during a crisis. Seems like we've got our hands tied in so many respects here lately. It's brought opportunities to do some good, particularly to do some good online. But how do you become a person of influence during a crisis when when people are not interacting in uh, uh, times of uh, like in times of normalcy? How do you how do you influence people when there are so many doors that are closed to us? That uh, is the question. And again, I've been thinking about this in light of the fact that. uh, I don't think the stay at home shift is going away anytime soon. In fact, I believe there are some trends in recent months that are going to become a a kind of a permanent part of the American landscape. Uh, You'll have, for example, more and more people working from home and uh, businesses investing less money into physical brick and mortar office space That'll in turn affect businesses who um, thrive based on brick and mortar presence to service workers who who work uh, away from home in an office environment, and, and so this, in fact, uh, you you will have a a trend I think uh, of folks who are moving away from areas like this that might cost a little more or a lot uh, to to go to, to cheaper areas of the country. Uh, if they're able to, to work remotely so a lot of a lot of uh, things are, are going to, to change um, as a consequence of, of trends that uh, are coming to to a head if you will during uh, this time and um, our, our models of how to share the faith must change as well during such a time as this it, it's not that uh, you know the, the the typical evangelistic approaches do uh, will not work uh, at quite as well in a time when you're, you're not able to interact with people exactly like we used to be able to interact. And, and again, I think some of that will bring uh, at least semi-permanent changes in American society. Hopefully we'll get back to a degree of normal uh, before too long, but nonetheless, um, our outreach efforts um, will increase online uh, simply because of the nature of the beast, the nature of the case, and uh, our personal touches will take on new importance, but we'll have to get creative in how to be personal, even. And uh, there are many, uh, again, ideas that I've been uh, uh, chewing on in in my own brain uh, in this regard. I'm reminded of Galatians chapter six, verses nine and 10. It says, let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those of the household of faith. I read just a moment ago and you're hearing was the scripture reading of Romans 12, nine through 13. Very important in terms of just human relations 101. Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor, do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, Uh, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Verse 15 says rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. And so you have this little thing in the Bible that we call the golden rule, Matthew 6 or 712 and, and Luke 631 of doing unto others as you would have them do unto you. And uh, and so I, I really believe that, that becoming a person of influence and being a person of influence at a time like this presents special challenges. But whenever you can think outside the box and throw in personal touches. It's doubly important. In fact, exponentially important. If we can become more personal in how we are able to touch the lives of others at such a time as this. Uh, There is an investment newsletter that I get that is written by Whitney Chilson. And it, he had a, a, a little excerpt the other day that reminded me of the old book by Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People, and he was talking about how he got the foot in the door to to make friends of of, of some very uh, high-profile investor types, and, and was able to to ride their coattails in his own career and I thought his advice was not only good, but I see biblical principles all over this. At a time like this, when interpersonal connections are largely handcuffed in many, many respects, it's even more important to try to add personal touches to our interactions with other people. And Whitney Tilson offered these, among other um examples of, of things that we might do in life in general. and again this is human relations 101, but I see all of these things on one level or another in the pages of the New Testament and again we have we might have to get creative but but being open and transparent to others um, uh, as an idea of getting your foot, in the door, so to speak, not not uh, spilling your your entire entire life story, um, but 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 simply being transparent, open. Um, openness breeds openness, and and the more we are open with others, the more others will will reciprocate to it to a degree, uh, to make those personal connections, and uh, not simply just impersonal everything, but to try to make impersonal inroads into the hearts of other people, to congratulate them on their success, to rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. When someone else has something good happen, to go out of your way, to congratulate them, to do something special and and maybe totally unexpected for them. It enables us to open up doors that would otherwise be closed to us. If you were to approach a neighbor or a co-worker or, or someone that you know but not quite so well and just do something nice for them. That might open up doors of opportunity that would never otherwise uh, be open. To, to be their eyes and their ears, you, you know that they're looking for opportunities in various areas of life. And if you put your antennas up and, and be their eyes, be their ears, opportunity comes up and all oh, that reminds me and you, you send them that opportunity, um, your stock goes goes up in terms of being able to influence them for good in various ways. And, and then finally, to be attentive to ways that you can serve them. Uh, that's good advice in any time period, but especially at a time period when uh, interpersonal relationships are, are so difficult uh, with others, Philippians chapter two, for example, let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others in verse 4. That's all I'm going to say about that uh, uh, for now. I want to switch gears to one more topic, and uh, that is I've been thinking a lot about the uh, providence of God uh, here of late, both uh, corporately for, for God, his people, and uh, individually Um various ways in which God touches our lives and influences us, opens up doors, closes others. And uh, uh, I I think that we need to to recognize possible examples of the hand of God in our lives. Uh, You can't live life very long as a Christian without noticing a, a series of amazing coincidences. I think that's the best way I would put it just a chain of unlikely events that are strung together. And you look and see those things in retrospect, this unlikely event plus this one plus this one plus this one equals a golden door of opportunity that would never have happened had it not been for each link of that chain almost miraculously coming together. And you look back in retrospect and you say, I I can't help but think that the hand of God was in that. And so that's true of national blessings. It's true of of corporate blessings for the people of God. It's it's true of personal blessings where you may not see something if you're not looking. And conversely, if you're looking, you'll see all kinds of things that will blow you away in life. And part of it is just the enchantment of everyday life looking for amazing things that God will do in your life and then wondering. I wonder if God, I wonder to what degree God played a part in that. Have you ever wondered? I certainly have. I'm reminded of of Lamentations chapter 3. Lamentations chapter 3, 22 through 24. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. I've been privileged, I think, to have a front row seat to some amazing demonstrations of God's great power. And part of my personal belief in that is just opening my eyes to his work in my life. And I believe all of us, if we just open up our eyes to the role that God plays in, in powerfully working in our lives, of uh, of being the right person in the right place at the right time when God does something amazing at the precise moment to, to, to enable you to, to meet someone else's need or to serve him or to have good fortune to be A tool of God at a time in which he providentially just slams open a door. Amazing thing that God does and will continue to do in our lives if we allow him, if we're praying for it, and if we open up our eyes to the point that we're able to see some of those things but we also must recognize that great blessings bring great responsibility. And again, I could say a whole lot more about this. My time is actually up, but if I've touched on anything this morning in this scatterbrain sermon that you'd like to hear more about, uh, let me know, or if there's things that are not even on the uh, the table this morning that, that you've been wondering about or, or would like to hear more about in future lessons, Let me know, let Paul know, let Sebastian know, and we'll see if we can't uh, address some of those things. It's a crazy time we're living in. How do you navigate a successful life at a crazy time? I know this was a hodgepodge of topics, but I'm soliciting your help. And uh, I'll tell you what, I'll help you, you help me. Let's help each other get through this with God's help most of all because we don't have to go crazy like the woman in that picture. We can uh, have this settled peace of mind, peace of heart, that comes with prayer, dependence upon God. I'd like to close with a couple of passages and then we'll sing a song of invitation. One is Philippians four, verses four through seven. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The other night we were studying with Cam And uh, we were in John, the 16th chapter, and and you have chapters 14, 15, and 16, where where Jesus is talking intimately with these apostles. And then the very last verse of the whole section, John 16 and verse 33, Jesus says this, I said these things to you, then in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world what a great thought for all of us to think about that we have a savior who has not only overcome the world he is willing to share the fruits and the blessings of all of that with each one of us if we take advantage of him and the salvation that he offers to each of us let's sing a song of invitation